Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very, very, very special one. His name is Mr. Ryan Folland, speaker, author, and ginger, and also Ryan, welcome to your own show. And thank you so much for recording 30 episodes of the time Scale Up Heroes that then was rebranded as Scale Up Valley Podcast. So welcome to your own show. It's really a pleasure to have you here. Ahoy, it's always good to be on my own show. You know, I miss you. It's been, <laughs> it's been too long and you're too far away, but hey, I can't complain because we're here now talking and hanging out. Absolutely. I'm sure that the ones who have been following the... 30 plus episodes that we have recorded with so many amazing guests and so incredible sticky notes and summaries and, and jokes, so much fun. I need to admit that the episodes nowadays are not so funny as they used to be at, at that time. But for the ones who are listening to this episode for the first time and are on this wave of the podcast, so who is Ryan Fowler? Who am I? Well, it's a good question. You know, you talked about me being a speaker, and that's what I enjoy doing the most. You mentioned that I'm an author, and my book is called Ditch the Act. It's <laughs> the art of being more human so that you are more relatable. And I'm a ginger. Uh, yes, my freckles and my red beard and my fair skin, but I also like the double meaning of ginger because being ginger is positive and it's kind of being happy. And I really try to look for the bright spots. Um, I try to bring my energy and I just think life is a little bit more fun that way. You know, I've been recognized for a lot of things uh, from being a top branding person to being a top marketing person. I've given four TEDx talks. Uh, I speak all around the world, but at the end of the day, sort of what, what keeps me going is the simple fact that making things simple is not easy but it is one of the most powerful things you can do because if I will share with you one key thing, it's that the mind wants a simple solution. And I think that we tend to overcomplicate things. So my goal in life is to help people simplify their messaging, simplify their leadership, simplify the way that they show up. And once you can do that, the whole world opens up because you start talking less, which means people can ask more questions and then there's conversation and it's not just you filling the room with your voice it's listening it's understanding people so that you can help them to understand what they can do to best drive growth that's quite an amazing introduction and we might ask what is ryan folland doing at the scale up valley podcast talking about scale up as an expert and you just summarize it what we need to do in order to scale up a business. And that's why you've been an amazing host of those 30 plus episodes and you are an amazing guest uh, as well now. So we always discuss three critical principles or ingredients to scale a business in the show. Number one, radical focus, what you've been talking about. Number two, world-class leadership, you also talking about that. And number three, the execution operating system, you will talk about that later and please wait because your frameworks are really, really, really powerful. So let's start with radical focus. You already explained a little bit the importance of getting 
clearly to the message. So, and this is critical for a CEO and for a leadership team, for any leader across the organization. If we are not able to articulate, to explain the vision, to make people live that vision, um, they will not be able to engage the team and to engage the external stakeholders as well. At the same time, as we say, we tend to speak too much and nobody gets anything about what we do and what problem we solve. So, but you know much better about this. So how can leaders apply radical focus to be more successful with execution and with their teams and stakeholders? Try to keep things simple. <laughs> and the, the deceiving part about the word simple is that sometimes people associate simple with easy or simple with not as dynamic or simple with um, not as exciting. But if you look at history, if you look at your own life, if you look at a number of examples out there, there's nothing more difficult than to boil things down to the most simple design, the most simple tagline, the most simple bio, the most simple 240 characters to get your ideas across. Uh, I think that what we do is if we don't put as much thought into it, then we tend to, to go on and on and we tend to become fragmented in our information distribution. And so from a leader perspective, to be radically focused, I believe starts with answering three fundamental questions. What is the problem that you solve? What is your solution? And who is your market? And I know that those are the most basic questions known to business kind, <laughs> but I still am amazed at the difficulty that an executive or a leader in a company, all the way down to a frontline employee, I'm amazed at how difficult it is for them to answer that in a simple way. And by simple, I mean one sentence, not one word or, or just sort of sparse, like trying to be super brief, because if you're too short, there's not enough context. But I think that fundamentally, when you can articulate the problem that you solve, now you might be thinking, I solve a lot of problems. Sure, and most, most good companies solve multiple problems, but you have to start with one. So how do you determine what problem to communicate? Well, it depends on who you're, who you're talking to. And so to have a radical focus on your messaging, I believe will help set you up for success. And I think that the more confused and convoluted and the longer it takes for you to explain what the company does, naturally that's gonna transition to your managers having a hard time explaining and your frontline front employees being able to explain. And if you, if, you, if, you're not, if you don't have that core clear messaging, well, when somebody, your employees ask what they do, they're probably not gonna say a compelling answer or they'll just be like, ah, don't worry about it, let's talk about something else. So the best way to empower your team, the best way to empower your employees, the best way to empower yourself from a radical focus perspective is focus on that core messaging first. I think that what people tend to do is they skip over the hard stuff. It's a lot easier to come up with marketing plans. It's a lot easier to come up with sales distribution. It's a lot easier to come up with all these other things. But I believe a lot of companies do the right thing in the wrong order. And unless you are super solid and secure and radically focused on that pure singular message, then 
it's no doubt that there's going to be confusion among the ranks. And it's no doubt that your customers aren't fully going to get what you're doing. I think it just comes down to something that simple, but that does not mean it's easy to get there. Absolutely. I love that, that quote, and I will repeat, do the right do the right thing in the wrong order. <laughs> That's a, a common... And if you think about it, there's a lot of things to do. And so sometimes we, we confuse productivity with activity. Mm -hmm. And so we can be busy all day long as an executive. We can have all kinds of things and putting out fires and doing this and giving a keynote and over here and leadership this, leadership that. But at the end of the day, what key level activities are driving the actual results? Yeah. At the 80-20 rule that we tend to forget, right? So what is that one thing that I need to do today, this week, this month, this quarter that will move the needle forward? And that's all about the radical focus. Something that you said very well that we discuss a lot in, in scale-ups is really the first stage of the startup is the problem solution fit. Then it's getting to product market fit. After that, getting to go to market fit. But first we start with problem solution fit. And one of the most important concepts that Elevator Pitch starts with the core customer, right? So what is the geography? What is the industry? What is the size of customer? What are the personas within those customer that have that problem, that you have a solution to solve that huge problem, huge market, but a very specific persona? And, and you are also quite good at that, speaking at the art of people uh, that you want to communicate with and having a um, common language. And let's introduce here the second ingredient, so world-class leadership. So leaders are the ones who are authentic, vulnerable, and able to speak the same language of, they, they are talking not about themselves or about ourselves, but about the people that they are talking with. So uh, would you like to go a little bit more further about how important it is communication in terms of being a great leader? Absolutely. Well, you did a nice preface there for me. And I will share from my own experience that people don't really care as much about my story of success. They're just not interested. Uh, it's, it's if I say, hey, I got featured in this. Hey, I've got a podcast coming out. Hey, look at me, look at me. There's not that much interest in my story of success. That's what I've personally found. Mm -hmm. What I have found is that when people see themselves in my story, then they're interested. Knowing that I had some challenges uh, being bullied as a kid because of my the same freckles and red hair that I'm so proud of today. Um, my experiences in learning martial arts and gaining self-confidence, my experience in trying to make it into Hollywood, thinking that my career path was already set only for it to be uprooted to find new traction within a mortgage industry, learning sales and finding this is what my passion is only to be cut off at the knees by the 2008 crisis. Then to lose my house, to lose my cars, to lose my identity, to move back in with my parents, to start again, to get a construction job so that I can make my bills, to then finding passion in startups and entrepreneurship and building and then failing and building and failing. These moments in my life are what make me who I am today. And as a leader, if I just talked about being featured in Forbes and in Fortune and an entrepreneur in Inc. and all these different publications and talk about my keynoting and all these things that could be considered successes at this moment, you're missing a lot of the story. 
You know, if you want to be on the cover of Fortune magazine, if you actually read that article, it's not about how amazing you are. It's about all of the struggles and the challenges that you've overcome to get to where you are. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the C-suite, <laughs> you have been challenged. You have failed. You have gotten up. You have been bruised. You have been battered. You are battle tested. But if you only communicate to your employees and to the world, look at me, I'm here now, you're missing all this opportunity for relatability. And there's a, a business idiom that I believe most people will agree with, that they forget about that when it comes to building their own business. The idiom, I think that's the right word, is people buy from those that they know, like, and trust. That makes sense. Yeah. There's never been a world where you can start a business fast, faster and, and get up and running faster, but it still takes an amount of time to build trust. And I believe that trust starts with getting people to get to know you. And my question for you, if you're an executive, if I go to your LinkedIn right now <laughs> do, 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 and I read your bio, are you going to give me any indication that you're Hopefully human? I pass in the test. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, if you look at most C-level or executive bios, it's I'm a badass and then I was a badass and then I was more of a badass and I'm a badass. Now, they don't technically say badass, but they talk in terms of success, 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 growth, growth, success, success. There's nothing wrong with that. I would just encourage people, if you really want to be a true leader who people can relate to more, share how you got to those successes. And that's what my book, Ditch the Act, is all about. It's when you own your failures, your mishaps, the things that have gone wrong, those are each really unique opportunities for your employees and investors even to see that you are battle-tested, that you've been there before. Yeah. Now, Mike, a question for you and everyone else who's listening can chirp in their answer as well. Do you think people hire you? Do you think people hire executives? Do you think people invest in entrepreneurs, so the same series of whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're leading a company, or whether you are sort of just on your own, do you, do you believe people hire you or invest in you based on your experience or your expertise? What do you think is the driving factor for them? Absolutely no question about uh, experience because I know the answer in it, but no. <laughs> Just that kind of gets the, in the in the investor perspective, right? And even in the leader perspective. So we all know that, especially at VC backed companies, uh, we are really playing in the Olympic Games of business and in the Champions League of business. So we will be facing our limits every single day. So every single quarter, we will be in a crisis mode. And that's those people that are used to be facing moments of adversity that will be able to thrive in that kind of environments. So if it was always success, success, as you said before, if you have never faced adversity, there is a huge risk of execution because maybe you'll be, give up, you'll be giving up or you'll be frustrated and not be able to go through the adversity. I would say even more, it's really not only the leader, and I think that's the thing that I learned the most, um, it's, it's really the team. So if the team is able to unite and go through the adversity, or if the team divides and start blaming each other, 
and starting to find who is the person responsible for the failure instead of getting together and say what the hell we need to solve in order to go through this wall and move forward. Sorry for the long answer. <laughs> That's a great question. That's fine. <laughs> but, hey, but as we were saying before, you could really spend a lot of time and effort and energy behind the scenes and you could tighten that answer up. But we, we can all tighten things up if we spend more time. Because that's, that's the nature of it's difficult to communicate if we don't have the time to really think through it and answer. You did great, though. The question of whether people hire you for your experience or your expertise is a really good question to answer for yourself. Now, there's no right or wrong answer. Some people will default. <laughs> huh? You surprised me as always. <laughs> I thought I passed these up. Oh, both were right. <laughs> Go ahead. But independently, if you're only sharing your expertise, if you're only talking about your expertise, then I don't think that it allows people to truly understand your experience. And so when it comes to being a battle-tested CEO, there's a lot of value when it comes to sharing your experience to show people that they can decide for themselves that you are an expert, okay? And so what does that actually look like? It looks like being a strong jockey, regardless of the horse. And if you ask most investors, who do people invest in? Or who do investors, sorry, what do people invest in? The jockey or the horse? The jockey is the leadership, the team, the horse is the actual problem solving company. And so most investors are gonna say, I'm investing in the jockey. And so, take that into consideration when you're presenting yourself. You are the jockey, right? You can have a, the most amazing business plan in the world, but if you can't articulate it, if you can't execute it, is it really the best? You can have the best product in the world, but if you don't market it correctly, is it really the best product? So what I'm trying to say here and bringing this back to leadership, the only way to get ahead in business today is to be human. And we have higher expectations from our customers. There's more accountability than ever. There's demand for social and uh, you know uh, equality and inclusion and diversity. And so if you look at the stories that you've had in your past that incorporate how you've dealt with diversity, how you've been inclusive, where you've messed up at that, where things went wrong, where companies went south, people then will know that they're not just investing in you having another learning experience, but they're investing in your experience. They're not investing in the mistakes that you'll be making. And so as you position yourself as an executive, I encourage you to not just say, look at my accolades. Don't just say, here's my highlight reel. Share people the process that got you there. And that highlight reel, R-E-E-L, will slowly become a highlight reel, R-E-A-L. And when you do that, people get to know you as a person. If they get to know you as a person, they might like you, they might not. But they might, but they might not. And you don't have to, not everybody has to like you. But those that do, based on getting to know you, that's a foundation for trust. And you can't download trust. Trust comes over time. And you have social media channels. You have authoritative platforms. You have your ability to communicate. And all of those little pieces of content, internally and externally, are what I call brand crumbs. Just like little breadcrumbs. You can leave little clues for people so that they can get to know you along your journey. 
And at the end of the day, a true leader is somebody who has been there, has the experience, and people can get to know them, like them, and trust them. And that trust can translate to customer trust. Great one. Great, 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 great. And I, I take, well, I like two takeaways. The first one is really leaders are human beings, right? So no one is perfect. Don't pretend that we are perfect. I think that's the first fatal mistake. And second, we need to get better every single day and learn from whatever happens. So whatever happens is feedback. So there is no failure. It's always feedback and lessons. And it depends on us um, to learn from our experiences uh, or, or not. Right? So great. And the content. one thing I'll add to that, the one yeah. thing I'll add is that when you are a leader and you're human, and when you are a leader and you learn, and when you are a leader and you lead by example, exactly. it sets a culture for middle managers and frontline managers and workers to be honest about how their remote working arrangement is really working, about <laughs> problems that they're having at home, about truly um, their relationships within the company. And so if you as a leader are like, everything's fine, we're doing fine, let's just drive, 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 then people are not going to share what's going wrong with them managers and employees aren't going to relate as much and the culture will be one of hiding what's going wrong and if you hide what goes wrong things can really go wrong as opposed to creating a culture of let's learn and grow as we scale because when you scale things start to break and if you don't create a culture that embodies the break as a chance to heal in a better stronger way then you're losing the opportunity to to lead your company to a trillion dollar company exactly and, and that's another great point there of what he said, which is if you try, and, and it's related with our number one topic on radical focus. If you try to praise everyone, you will be ending being average or mediocre, right? So it's, it's normal that if you are focused on really delighting a niche of being world-class at a niche and kind of the, the riches are in the niches. And it's, it's normal that you, you'll piss you off maybe the majority of the markets, but you will delight, though you will have craving fans of people that really want to work with you, to partner with you. They are completely passionate about you do. And this is also leadership is having strong fans, craving fans, and also haters, right? <laughs> you know, my, my mom always told me, because uh, there's been different moments in my life where you feel like the dogs are barking at you, right? People are chirping up, something goes wrong. I love it. My mom always told me, a dog doesn't bark at a parked car. So Ryan, if people are barking, it just means that you're on the move. And, and I tell myself that over and over as I ruffle feathers in, in just, just driving, doing, growing, growing. If people are chirping up, it's like, yeah, you're barking, but I'm moving. That's why you're barking. Absolutely. And when we get into number three, this really the uh, execution operating system, and I know that you are a great believer on consistency and, and small steps. And even on your public speaking skills and on your communication skills, you say, get yourself on stage and practice, 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 because just by practicing, you will get better. If you learn the skills, you get even better, but just by practicing, you will get better. So use every single opportunity to, to show up. And, so what, and you have an amazing framework to share, which is 
the free one free. And I would love you to, to share more about that with, with, with uh, the Scale-Up community. Absolutely. And I think that my, um, my belief and my experience, as you mentioned with public speaking, and just about, um, just about all of the things that I'm actually good at, if I look back, it's because I've been doing them over and over for a long period of time. So if you want to get better at being a speaker, speak more. If you want to get better at being a writer, write more. If you want to get better at being a sailor, sail more. And that analogy continues. It's if you and want you to get better at flying. <laughs> you are a great sailor. What? Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. If you want to become a better podcaster, podcast more. And so how does that apply to leadership? How does that apply to what we've talked about so far? Well, if we want to have focus, radical focus, and we want to really tap into our innate leadership skills that, that scale, then the system that you can create for that uh, is a framework to help establish core messaging, which then drives everything. That's the first part, right? And so the 313 method stands for what it delivers. Three, one, and three. It allows you to work through a process, a process of a process of elimination, almost like a series of Russian dolls as things get smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. But instead of a Russian doll, it's your messaging. So the end result is that after going through this framework, you can explain what you do in three sentences, in one sentence, and ultimately three words. It's like a tuning fork for your messaging. It's a process to go through. The whole framework is built on the three most important questions I already shared with you. What is the problem you're solving? Can you say it in one sentence without any mention of what you do? Can you explain the solution so that your solution matches the problem that you solve? And can you explain who your target market is? The same people that have the problem and whose solution will actually solve it, whether they can afford it or whether they see that it solves that problem. And then when you can go through that exercise, and, and I have a whole podcast dedicated to this process. It's called the 313 Challenge. You can go to ryan.online forward slash 313 challenge. You can search on any podcast platform, Ryan Foland, 313, any combination thereof. And the idea is that when really you- recommend it. <laughs> it's it's fun to see people in the hot seat and these are people who are who are successful at their business but when you see them struggle with this core messaging and you see the insights that come with making decisions in order to what to say and the words you choose not to use all of a sudden you just see these light bulbs go off and things start to make more sense so the process is how do you explain the problem in one sentence, your solution in one sentence, and your market in one sentence? That's the first part. Now you have three core sentences which act as a compass course for your messaging, for your branding, for your, for your sales kickoffs. Everything comes back to, don't forget, this is the problem that we're solving. Here's our solution. Here's who we're targeting. The one is one sentence. And if done correctly, you can take the three sentences and combine them into one. I solve this problem for these people and here's how I do it. Or this is what I do to solve this problem for these people. There's six different varieties that you can have with those three elements. 
And the final part is using metaphor or analogy to use a different part of the brain to help people piece together what you're doing based on things they already know. And when you use information that people already know, it helps them make sense of your product, which may be new, which may be hard to describe. But when you say, well, it's kind of like this meets this, or it's kind of like this company and this company, if they had a baby, that's what this is. <laughs> and it uses a different part of the brain. So using this process helps to create clarity. It also helps to unlock something that I call permission-based pitching. And permission-based pitching is something which allows you to get people interested in your idea, product, service, without actually telling them what it is. It's fantastic for sales. It's fantastic for investors. It's fantastic because it's the same information. It's just changed order. Typically, if I ask you, what do you do? You're going to tell me about your product or your service. That's it. But imagine if you asked me what I did and I said, well, you know, we do a lot of things, but what's most important is the problem that we're solving. <laughs> You've completely changed it. the conversation That's and they will ask you, so well, what is the problem? And if you can tell them the problem that you're solving without any mention of what you do, they're going to start to think about it. Hmm. I wonder how you would go about solving that problem. Exactly. Then their next inclination, since they're prepped, they already know what the problem is. When you tell them the solution with each word that comes out of your mouth, it makes more of a picture in their brain. And then they go, I got it. I totally see what you're doing now. What you're doing solves that problem that you just communicated. And that problem's a real problem. So I can see how this could possibly work. As opposed to, what do you do? Here's my widget. Oh, I don't get it. And so the concept is down to those three core principles, the problem, the solution, and the market. I mean, this is business 101, but I think we tend to skip past it because it's so difficult to plant that flag on your core messaging. Absolutely. And resist, especially, and, and you also say this a lot, entrepreneurs are super passionate about what they do. So when you, you give them the words, they will not shut up. And especially if you ask a little bit more of questions, they will keep going on and on and on. And they will stay for three or five or 24 hours speaking about the business, right? If they have someone well, in, to in, That's a reality. Entrepreneurs talk too much, but there's a solution for it. Exactly. The solution that's the problem. Is, <laughs> the solution yeah, the, is? <laughs> the solution is to tell people what you do instead of how you do it. Exactly. People will say, what do you do? What's your company? Tell me about your product. We default to explaining how it works. Oh, it's this and here it works like this and over here and we're gonna use AI and we're gonna do all this stuff. But I didn't ask you how it worked. I just asked you what it is. And so when somebody asks you what your company is, tell them in one sentence, this is what it is. And then stop talking. And if they're interested at all, I guarantee the next question will be, hmm, how does that work? <laughs> so glad that you asked. Now, before I ramble on and tell you how it works, tell me what you know about AI. 
oh, well, um, I'm experienced about this or this, or I have no idea. Okay, well, if you have no idea, let me start from step one. <sighs> and then you can explain. So again, giving people what they want when they give you permission to want to hear it. It's part of this permission-based pitching. And it's something that I think can start at the top and it can travel all the way down to the frontline employee. Imagine the employee who answers the phone, okay? What do you do? I answer the phone. That's not very exciting. People won't say that, right? What do you do? Well, it's not really what I do. It's the problem that I solve. Interesting. What's that? Well, the problem is if we don't get back to our customers within a relative amount of time, we could possibly lose them. I solve that problem. So much more exciting than just a receptionist who's picking up the phone. I think we all solve problems. The company solves a problem. And then to solve that problem, all of the different components and people solve other problems that are one big solution. So when you empower your employees to describe their job duties, not in terms of what they're doing, but in the terms of the problems that they're solving, it's easier for them to understand why they are doing what they're doing, why they are asked to do certain things. And it's not just fulfilling a task anymore, it becomes part of a larger mission to solve a problem that the company is on a mission to solve. And that is how you scale. That is how you scale mentalities. That is how you scale culture. That's how everyone is on the same page as some of your biggest problems are filling seats because you're growing so fast. And we are coming to the end of the show and I feel that we'll be spending 24 hours together <laughs> with a lot of great value to add to our community. And what questions should I have asked you that I didn't ask? What question should you have asked me that uh, you didn't ask? I would say one of the most underutilized questions when it comes to, let's say, an opportunity when you get to meet somebody. It's what is the one thing that you could use the most help with right now? That's a magical question that takes it from being about you or your show or your guest to what's something that we could do to help you out? What is the one thing that you need help with right now? And I find that it's a question that people generally aren't prepared for. And so the reason I bring this up is that you should be prepared for that. What do you need the most help with right now? And so if you ask me that question, I would say, well, I love to get introduced to high growth companies who have sales kickoffs and who have, you know, company wide training to help people with their core messaging. That's easy. That's the only thing I need. I just need to get in touch with those people who this type of messaging and this type of communication uh, workshop could resonate and solve the problem that they have. So that's what I would have you ask. It. And that's my answer. Amazing. So you did the all show and we go to, to the last question of the show, which would be if you'd have the opportunity to have a coffee with your younger Ryan at the beginning of your career, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Well, here I am with my coffee. <laughs> Here I am with my younger self. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've grown over the years. To, to draw a, a sticky note to, to summarize the show today. <laughs> you know, I, I might be able to do that live. Yeah. Um, I would tell my younger self focus on the steps, not the staircase. And 
I believe that if I look back at my success, it is not coming from just finding myself at the top of the staircase. It's from taking each stair individually. Um, even, even this morning when I was working out, uh, the virtual trainer that we had, she said, look, this is going to be a long, grueling exercise. I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about each move as you do it. And so I would tell younger Ryan, uh, baby Ginger, I'd say, just focus on the steps, not the staircase. Because if I look back, it's one step at a time that's gotten me to find that real success. And if you have misguided expectations, you're going to be disappointed. And if you think you're going to build your brand overnight, you'll be disappointed. If you think that you're going to X, Y, Z, then you're going to be focused on the wrong thing because the right thing is focusing on that next step. And then I would say, which I often do, the one single piece of advice, not only to my young baby ginger, but to everyone, successful people are not doing what everyone else cannot do. Successful people are doing what everyone can do, but not everyone does. And that's simple stuff like waking up early, drinking more water, smiling more, calling your mom and dad, having a water cooler talk before the Zoom begins, taking a break, going outside and, and smelling the flowers. You know, it's, it's these things that we do, these daily steps. But people look for hacks and apps, and then they question why don't they get there fast enough. And it's the slow and steady approach to leadership, to management, to growth, to sales, to all these things. When you take it one step at a time, you'll keep moving. You'll get to the top eventually. And then you'll discover a whole new staircase when you get there. Mr. Ryan Folland, thank you so much for making the time and joining us today. And before we go, I would like to invite you to close the show because you will always be a host of the show. So your take, you close today. Well, in closing, if you focus on the number three, that's key because there's a reason why there were three blind mice. There's a reason why there were three bears. There's a reason why there's three kings. It's because keeping things simple is powerful. When it comes to radical focus, focus on the messaging first. Everything comes after that. When it comes to uh, the second pillar, which we talked about when it comes to leadership, focus on being a human leader. Focus on being the jockey. Don't get so caught up in the horse and the prestige and all the accolades and the, and the bells and whistles. Let people see themselves in your story. They'll be more willing to relate to you and thus follow your lead. And then when it comes to a framework or a structured system that can grow, I challenge you to just start with answering the following three questions with one sentence answers each. What is the problem that you solve? What is your solution? And who is your target market? When you can answer those three questions, it will help you to radically focus on being your best self, flaws and all. Because at the end of the day, If you really want to scale your business, you have to understand that people will buy from those who they know, like, and trust. Here's your host, speaker, author, and ginger, Ryan Folland. Keep scaling. <laughs>